Hey, everybody. This is Puka, and welcome to the One to Go show. Uh, as always, uh, I'm hosting, and I'm here with uh, Brian Aho, who many of you know from all of his uh, national titles and, and uh, many years in racing. How are we doing, Ryan? Man, I'm doing great, buddy. How are you doing today? Yeah, can't complain. I uh, Halloween tomorrow, so uh, uh, or no, wait, no, two days, two days. So uh, a lot going on uh, in my household, and uh, everyone's gearing up. So and of course, wife being a school teacher, uh, <laughs> she she's got to rev up too. So um, yeah, and then we're also joined by Bert Lehman, the editor of uh, Full Throttle Magazine. Bert, how are we doing? We're doing great today, even though we got a little bit of snow here in eastern Wisconsin this morning. <laughs> you know, I saw, isn't there a big system? Well, Ryan, you've got a big system coming uh, towards Chicago, right? You know, it looked like a little bit of snow, but I think it's probably going to turn to rain before it hits there. Uh, you know, I think, honestly, Wisconsin's a good place for it to dump on, right, Bert? <laughs> <laughs> sure. It, it's mostly melted already, but yeah, I'm sure we're going to get dumped on plenty of times yet this year and early next year. <laughs> Well, as we talk about snow, that obviously means the racing season is uh, slowly trickling to an end. And last week, we, uh, Lucas Oil, the Lucas Oil Late Model Series, crowned its uh, 2020 champion. And with his third title, uh, Jonathan Davenport was awarded the title. Uh, Bert, anything, uh, what do you know about uh, Jonathan Davenport? Um, I know that he's really good. <laughs> um, no, I mean, he, he's really come a long way in, in the last few years. I, you know, when he won his first championship, everybody was saying it's because of the, of Rumley and, and technology, but I think he's proving that he can drive a race car. Yeah, I agree. He, uh, you know, this is his third title. He won in 15, he won in 18 and won again in, in uh, obviously this year here in 19. Uh, Ryan, thoughts on Jonathan Davenport? Well, I got a good buddy of mine that actually was the shock guy down at Barry Wright uh, when Jonathan was driving for them. And, you know, and that was before he was just starting to get really fast. And, you know, obviously his program has advanced since he's left there. But he said, keep an eye on this guy. This guy can win a lot of races. He gets up on the wheel. He knows how to get it done. And uh, I may have a story or two for another day about that guy. But, you know, an absolutely talented race car driver. And, and uh, he's kind of made his stamp in late model racing. That's for sure. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a guy who obviously didn't put his stamp uh, on the Lucas Series this year was Scott Bloomquist. We had T-Mac in second place, 470 points back. And, and Kid Rocket in third, uh, 510 points back. But, yes, uh, of course, everyone knows about you know, Bloomkus and his injury. Uh, Ryan, have you heard anything? Do you know anything more about uh, his situation? You know, I've heard of that guy before. Um, I think he's maybe won a race or two back in the, back in the day. No, uh, you know, I, it's kind of a neat deal with Scott Bloomquist. You know, he's a unique individual, but obviously extremely talented, very smart. And, you know, being up here uh, in northern Minnesota, you know, got some friends of mine, the Provenzinos, that know him quite well. And, you know, it's quite interesting that during his time off when he was injured, he actually had a simulator built so that way he could get muscle memory with his with his footwork and he wanted to come back in swinging, you know, and obviously this year wasn't quite the year that, you know, that is going to be in the record books for Scott Bloomquist. But rest assured, you know, 
when he gets his health back in order and he comes back on full swing, look for him to be really strong again next year. Yeah, anything to add there, Bert? I would agree with that. I mean, Bloomquist has proven time and time again that, you know, he's he's the best or the second best, arguably the best uh, dirt late model driver out there. And what I found really impressive was, I mean, he came back from his injury, but then he also brought in Madden into his stable, and Madden just went on an unbelievable tear there, winning crown jewels. So um, that's always a tough team, uh, no matter um, who's in the race car. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, we, we sat with, uh, next to each other and watched uh, uh, Madden uh, dice the field there in, in Cedar Lake. And uh, uh, fun. And actually, Ryan, did you say you were there this year too? I was, I was, you know, and, and, uh, you know, it's just a unique deal. You watch Chris Madden get around the track in his car. He's got obviously uh, one of Scott's cars and they drive very similar, very straight, keep the car underneath them. And honestly, what's crazy is neither one of those guys look fast, right? They just look, they don't look like they're getting up on the wheel. You know, you watch B Shep or you watch, you know, Bobby Pierce, they're up just banging the cushion. They look completely just wild out there. And these guys look slow they honestly if you're watching them they don't look fast but they're there at the end and um isn't ricky weiss isn't he in a Bloomquist car as well yeah yes yes yeah so yeah nice and smooth right through the middle kind of the same driving style yeah th- those chassis must be uh you know set up pretty similar because you're right i mean they're never up on the cushion uh driving on the high side you know even in even in hot laps, they're usually in the middle of the track to the bottom of the track um, because that's where the cars seem to like it the best. Yeah, and Matt in there, if you, without that, what was it, a golf cart injury, it, you know, it like, looked like he was going to win everything this fall, and that, that seemed to slow him down a, a bit, and I hope that, you know, he's all healed up and everything's fine for next year. But, um, yeah, kind of a, I guess, you know, for him, for Madden, I guess probably, a, wouldn't you guys agree, probably a career year, probably his best year, I think. Yeah, I would say without um, I, question, without question, that's his best year. I mean, he's he's been on the map here for a little while, but his program absolutely skyrocketed when he got teamed up with uh, Bloomquist. Yeah, I mean, it, it looked like his season was going to be a disaster because he, you know, lost his ride, dropped off the Outlaw Tour, and then he joined up with Bloomquist, and then that just completely turned his season around, and uh, he won the biggest races of his career. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, was a, a incredible year for him. Yeah, after losing his ride, he got that second wind and certainly took advantage of it. So, and speaking of the uh, Lucas Oil Late Models, uh, the schedule was released now for uh, 2020, uh, 56 race schedule. You know, kind of in our area here, I see we've got a couple of dates to keep in mind. May 16th, they'll be at Deer Creek, and I know that's been on the schedule the last couple of years, and it's it's failed due to rain both years. And then the interesting thing that I saw was July 10th and 11th, a two-day show in Jackson, Minnesota. Uh, Bert, uh, have you heard anything uh, along the uh, path here on this uh, race in Jackson? I haven't heard any, anything about that. I mean, being in eastern Wisconsin, I haven't heard about that. Um, you know, my disappointment with the schedule is that they abandoned eastern Wisconsin last year, and I see that eastern Wisconsin's not back on 
on the schedule again this year. So I'm disappointed about that, but it's good that uh, they're coming to Minnesota at least. It's not too far away. Yeah, I see that it's a it's a two day show. Twelve thousand to win on July tenth. Fifteen thousand to win on July eleventh. Ryan, uh, do you have any experience down there in Jackson? Have you raced there? I have not. You know, that's a big sprint car track down there, and I have a, a good buddy of mine that races there. You know, several times throughout the season. <clears throat> and once I saw that on the schedule, I was giving them a little bit of grief. I was saying, man, it is about time that the folks in the Jackson area are going to get to see real racing. You know, they're, they're big sprint car guys down there. They got the Lucas Oil late models coming. You guys are getting spoiled this year. And uh, I don't think you really agreed with me very much though. <laughs> oh, that's great. So, well, and, and kind of reflecting what you're saying, uh, Bert, I noticed that uh, Aberdeen has a race, uh, Brown County Speedway has had a race the last couple of years and uh, um, they are not on the 2020 schedule. And I know there's some, some uh new people promoting out there uh but uh so they've been abandoned uh at least for uh 2020 uh they they did move the program or the uh number of shows from 65 down to 56 you know ryan you've obviously spent some time not only in the cockpit up but on the road you know you think i mean so we're looking at what nine fewer shows is that a big deal is that a good deal do you have any thoughts on on how it might play out for the guys that are you know following the series you know, I got to be honest with you. I don't really think it's going to affect them very much because a lot of the guys that, you know, that are going to run that full series, you know, if they have a few less Lucas Oil shows, they're just going to fill those in with other shows maybe that are non non sanctioned or maybe a different sanctioning. So some of them guys are still going to race considerably more than that. So I don't really think that affects a whole lot. To be honest with you, it'll just give. You know, maybe if the World of Outlaws come to town, maybe some of those guys will, will fall into one of those races. Or maybe if there's a big non-sanctioned show, they'll they'll be able to fill in in some of those races. So that's kind of a nice deal because it'll give them an opportunity to to bounce around a little bit. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and there's there's obviously plenty of uh, racing to go around these days. So um, I agree. I think uh, I think they you know if they're looking to race, they should be able to find a race. <laughs> so. Well, moving on, uh, like I said, uh, we're we're uh, at that point of year where we're we're starting to crown champions, and uh, Wazoda has crowned their many different national champions, and so we w- did want to take a second to recognize all of them, and we'll kind of start out with the Midwest mods, and uh, Cole Searing out of here on South Dakota was the winner. Uh, Skeeter Esty, who how many titles does he have, Ryan? Skeeter actually won the last two years, and, you know, Cole Searing, he's a good kid. He's pretty young. He's in his 20s, uh, freshly married, uh, you know, so it's pretty cool. He was racing pretty hard for the Superstock Championship the last couple of years, incidentally finished fourth in that this year, and he was very strong all year long. I think he won the, the deal down in Arizona over the winter. The the Speed Weeks deal that they have down there, I think it's called the Wild West deal. Yeah, the Wild and uh, West Skeeter... Deal. You know, what's crazy is Skeeter was in a position to actually get, get his third in a row. And he ran Labor Day weekend. He was extremely strong um, over Labor Day weekend. They had a three-night swing the next weekend for the Northern Nationals in Superior. And the first night rained out. The second night he had some issues and ended up uh, breaking, basically leading, and he broke. And at that point, he says, you know what, enough's enough. We're just going to go to Cedar. We're not going to race for the points. And he was in position to win it, 
And uh, Cole Searing is obviously very grateful that he did not go for it because it would have been a heck of a battle to the end. But hats off to Cole Searing, great race car driver, um, definitely up and coming, and, and you're going to see his name a lot over the next couple of years here for sure. Yeah, Skeeter was just 13 points back in second place there. So, yeah, he was definitely in the running. And I know that, uh, you know, he had that bad break. Uh, I think it was the World of Outlaw show, or no, it wasn't. It was, it was, but it was a Saturday in July, and Hibbing wasn't racing, and he was down in Ogilvy and got caught up in a big wreck, and I think that put him by in the eight ball because he was, you know, he didn't get to drive for a couple of weeks as they put the car back together, or I think he might even have got a new car. Uh, but um, anyhow, uh, you know, well deserved second place to him, Shane. Halapka looks like third place. Austin Hunter from Winnipeg in fourth, and Dan Wheeler from Savage in fifth. And moving on to the Supers, uh, a guy that Ryan and I, well, Ryan, you know well, a guy I know just a little bit, but uh, Kevin Burdick from Proctor, Minnesota. 65 shows in this year to take the Superstock title. Uh, have you talked to him? Uh, well, of course, not only have you talked to him about this title, but he's you know, he's won the national title before, Ryan. No, he this is his first national title. Oh, it is. Um, he actually, yep, it is. He actually got second last year. Um, and uh, yeah, 65 shows, and I believe he had 33 feature wins, so he won over 50% of his starts. And you know, kind of an interesting deal with him is he actually won at one point, he was at 12 in a row, he won at the Grand Rapids Speedway in the Grand Rapids Speedway up in northern Minnesota, they actually put a bounty on this guy. They said, anybody that can come in and beat this guy, we're throwing extra money at you because, you know, don't get me wrong, we like seeing him win, but, man, we want to see somebody else compete with this guy. And uh, they had people coming from Wisconsin, all kinds of stuff, and eventually Nick Oreskovich actually took that bounty money back um, back home to Wisconsin. And I know Kevin, he won uh, three track championships this year, and, and uh, he actually uh, – um, won a couple major invitationals. The Labor Day shootout with Soda Classic and Grand Rapids, and he won the Northern Nationals in Superior. And, you know, just a heck of a good race car driver. Great family deal. Incidentally, his father-in-law was a formidable runner, uh, won a ton of races, Bill Matsdorf, over the years. And it's really neat that that whole family is so intertwined in, in the racing, and they really support him. So really excited to see Kevin go get that national championship one and excited to see what he has in store for next year. Well, that is great. Great for his family. That's yeah. When it's a family deal, there's nothing better than winning and uh, getting to the top. And yeah. And, and like you said, the bounty, I mean, that was such a cool thing. And of course, you know, that, that was something uh, kind of a, from a bygone era and I don't out Eastern Wisconsin, Bert, have you seen any, uh, anybody subject to a bounty uh, through the years out there? Uh, not recently. Uh, back in the, in the mid to late 80s, uh, Pete Parker, w- there'd be bounties out on him every now and then because he'd go on absolute tears around here, uh, just dominating feature events. Sure. But but nothing lately. Okay. So, yeah, so Burdick, like I said, 65 shows in. He finished with 3,337 points. He was followed by the veteran Kurt Myers in Cameron, Wisconsin. Dave Moss pulled in third. The aforementioned Cole Searing in fourth. And Shane Zabraski. A guy we'll be talking about uh, here in about another 10 seconds, rounded out the top five. So on to the uh, modifies and Shane Sabraski from Rice, Minnesota, another racer with 65 events. Uh, Ryan, you know Shane. I believe this is his first modified title. 
Yeah, that's correct. Um, he has four in the Midwest mods. He has two in the Supers. And this was his first national championship in the Wasota Modifieds. And, you know, I talked to him several times throughout the season, and he got off to a crazy fast start. I mean, we're talking like I think it was the middle of June, and he already – and there was a ton of rain. Everybody got started late, and he had already wrapped off 10 feature wins. And he says, man, we're going for this deal. He goes, I want this mod championship. And, and he just did what it took. He put himself in a position to win it. Absolutely great guy. You know, couldn't ask for a nicer guy to win the national title. Extremely humble. You know, when you see a guy like that go out and win as much as he does in all different classes, but he's so approachable to the fans, just a down-to-earth guy, uh, super excited for Shane Sabrowski. Yeah, so that's uh, – and he – in a lethal this year, Ryan? Was he in a lethal chassis? Is that what I heard? Absolutely. Yeah, that lethal deal, I tell you, between him and Dan Ebert and – I think Ebert got second or third in the national. I think he got third in the national points. Yes. And uh, Johnny Broking got fourth, and three of them guys were in lethal. So, you know, Stremi had something really figured out with those cars, and there's a lot of people looking to be trying to get into those cars for 2020. So, Bert, uh, you know, obviously you're not with Zoa where you are, but you do have some modified racing. Is anyone, uh, any hot shoes and lethal chassis out your way? Um, actually, Mike Mullen uh, raced a lethal chassis this year. Uh, Mullen is a two-time winner of the Clash at the Creek, the 10,000 to win show that they run each June. Um, and actually, Stremi uh, flew out uh, and went to 141 on a practice night and and helped them dial in the car. Oh, cool. So, uh, yeah, so he... he he cares about how his chassis do. There's no doubt about yeah. that. Well, yeah, they, they did a lot of winning uh, this year. So uh, so congrats to Shane. Uh, uh, Ryan mentioned Dan, Dan Ebert in third. Uh, mentioned Johnny Broken in fourth. Mike Anderson of Jim Falls, Wisconsin, another veteran in fifth. And in second place was a, a fellow Canadian, uh, Ward Emery. Does that sound right, Ryan? Ward Emery? Uh, but, uh, yeah, Ward Emery. And, and I believe Ward actually won the national championship last year. And, uh, and he races up in, in Winnipeg and all around uh, the basically the western side of Minnesota. Very good racer. And I think he is in, a, in fact, I know he is, he's in an MB Custom. So MB's kind of, they stamped the Wasota deal here just a few years back. And they, their cars were dominant, still very fast. But I guess 2019, it was the year of the lethal. Yeah, it sure looks like it with, uh, what, one two, three in the uh, top five. So, well, I don't know. I shouldn't say. Mike Anderson, any any idea what uh, chassis he's in? Mike Anderson's got the house car for SSR. Oh, okay. Okay. So it is three out of the top five in lethal. So, all right. Then on to the late models. Chad Becker, Aberdeen, South Dakota. I uh, believe his second title in a row, right? Uh, I don't think it's his second in a row. Um, didn't uh, didn't um, Ricky Weiss win it last year, I believe? Oh, you know what? I think you're right. He, did. even though he was racing on the road a lot, I believe he did. He only he had very few shows, but very uh, a lot of wins. <laughs> yeah, Ricky Weiss came in uh, basically the end of last year. I think Becker was in position to to maybe win it, and Ricky just absolutely went on a tear. Not only winning the uh, the championship last year, but a whole bunch of invitationals. Uh, looking at my notes here, I know Chad Becker did win it back in 2012. So I believe this is his second national championship and kind of an interesting deal. Uh, um, over the 35 years of Wasota racing, eight times uh, a late model driver from South Dakota won the national championship. 
Wow, interesting. Ooh, good research. Bert, we found our guy. Look at this guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. I'm just sitting back and listening to all the knowledge here. <laughs> well, Shane Eddington, a guy I got to watch a couple of times this year, out of an, another Canadian from Winnipeg, was second. Uh, Don Shaw, third. Uh, an impressive run for a guy that uh, Ryan and I get to see in a uh, uh, quite a, quite often in fourth place, Devin Van House, a rookie from Silver Bay. Uh, what news you got on uh, Devin, Ryan? You know, Devin is a good dude. And, and here's what's crazy. He's been racing Hibbing, Grand Rapids, Proctor, Superior, kind of all of our northern tracks here. And the last several years he was running a modified and a Midwest modified. And honestly, he was he was good, but he was just kind of – not dominant. He was kind of the guy that finished in the top five most of the time, and he just looked like a consistent driver out there. And, man, he jumped into a late model, and he rattled off some feature wins. I think there was a weekend where he won either two or three in the same weekend, and he just went on a tear with that late model. So, you know, I think he found his niche. You know, the, maybe the, he's good in the open wheel, but when he got into that late model, I tell you what, it was like he was right at home quickly right out of the gate, and you know, to see him win, or uh, he basically was the national rookie of the year for Wissota Late Models, um, fourth in the national points, and I believe he won the track championship at the Gondek Law Speedway. Just a great year for Devin Van House. Yeah, I would agree with you uh, on the part where you said where he, you know, stepped in right away and he looked comfortable because, um, you know, I did catch him early in the year and he certainly did. Uh, he, you know, there were, you know, it's like he'd been in the car for five years, so. Um, you know, congrats to him. Like you said, uh, not only a fourth place finish, but also the rookie of the year honors and uh, the veteran from North of the border, Mike Balkin uh, rounded out the top five in uh, the Wazota national points for late models. So moving on, uh, they'll all have to go down to the banquet and uh, you know, Ryan or I, and Bert, I've never attended a, a, the banquet. Obviously Ryan, you have, have you Bert? No, I have not. So Ryan, what can, what can you tell us about the, uh, the banquet. Any good stories from uh, times past? Or... <laughs> oh, boy, I, I got to be honest with you. Some of them stories probably aren't for the airwaves. Um, they, really, they really are not. I've been to several uh, with Soda National Banquets. And, you know, it's a good time. It's a great time to celebrate the champions. You know, this year there was eight classes of Wissota racing. So there's eight drivers getting represented down there in the top ten and all the rookies. And, you know, in the uh, they also have the national rules meeting at the same time. So that bank was coming up here in a couple of weeks. And then the couple of days leading up to that, all the tracks get together with the, with the Wasota board and they talk about the rule changes and whatever they have in, you know, coming up in 2020. So it, it's kind of a weird deal because it starts out like maybe a little bit dramatic because there's a lot of conflict at those meetings and it's capped off by a whole bunch of people having fun and celebrating the champions. So um, I've been uh, fortunate to be part of several of those, um, of those banquets. And it's just been a, a fun time and just proud of all the guys getting represented down there. Yeah, certainly. Congratulations to everybody and uh, have fun when you attend. And before uh, we're going to segue into the rules uh, part of portion uh, a little bit, but Ryan, I just had to ask you, so you've been to many of those banquets. Do you mind expounding on the largest check you got that you got to leave with? Do you remember? I think the largest check was uh, for the super stocks. I believe it was four grand um, was the biggest check I got for winning the, the national championship and the super stocks. I don't think it got to 4,500, 
Uh, one year I got a heck of a surprise. Um, I won it in, in uh, 2000, and I got there, and it was significantly cut. I'm like, what happened there? And um, really? there was a lawsuit. Yeah, there was a lawsuit going on that was sort of lost, and uh, they they were tight on money, and they had to short everybody their checks. I'm like, well, that was no good. No, unfortunately, no that was 20 years ago, right? But uh, <clears throat> yeah, 4,000, and you know, it's 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 a nice little extra boost, you know. Um, really helps out. I know when I was racing for national championships, I'll be honest with you, I could not really afford to be out on the racetrack, and I know a lot of these guys are in the same boat, so that national championship check went uh, directly to the place where I got my tires and parts from, like immediately from one. <laughs> I, I don't think I even got to have it in my bank account for a day. It was gone. Well, it, you know, get the, going to a banquet and getting a four $4,000 check surely makes attendance at the banquet worth it. So congrats, uh, congrats to, like I said, congrats to you, Ryan, and all your past uh, uh, success. And like I said, congrats to everybody that uh, will be heading down and uh, getting a check here on November 9th. So um, just to kind of uh, close up here as we're getting short on time, uh, but Ryan, yeah, we were talking about the uh, rules meeting just a little bit. Um, you wanted to touch on the spec shock for street stocks and some, some of the chatter that's uh, happening with that. Oh, that has uh, that's taken over the airwaves over here. To be honest with you, there is a lot of conflict and a lot of difference in opinions about what happened. Is with soda, you know, they, their intent is always great, right? They want to make racing better. They want to make it cheaper. They want to make it more competitive. So they they went ahead and they put together a spec shock program for the street stocks. Now, I got to be honest with you, I, I I like a spec shock. I really do. Um, my opinion on this deal is maybe they didn't come up with the best one, right? There's, uh, I think they maybe could have done some more research. Um, in talking to a lot of the street stock guys, that even them, they're not totally against a spec shock, but they're against having a spec shock that costs more than what they're paying for shocks already. You know, and that's the issue they're having. So there's a lot of uh, drivers that have been talking to a lot of the promoters, and there's going to be some noise made about this deal down there because – you know, the promoters don't even get a vote in it anymore. Essentially, it's the Wasota uh, board and the rules committee that makes this decision. And uh, honestly, you know, nothing against them, but they don't really have a, a big background in racing. You know, none of them have really raced cars. They don't, you know, I think they have great intent, but I don't think the delivery was quite what people were looking for on this one. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens here in a couple weeks. So, so what is the justification for the change? The they want to keep the cost down um, because there's a lot there's a lot of knowledge in shocks there's a lot of engineering there's a lot of money and what happens is a lot of people will they'll buy a shock maybe off the shelf but then they'll send it to a shock guy and then they'll revalve it and they'll make it into a better product and and that's all fine and good that's all you go fast you're trying to you're trying to get faster you're trying to have an edge but they're looking at it as some of these entry level classes maybe that edge isn't quite as necessary. You know, their their thought process was, let's just simplify this whole deal. Let's put everybody on the same shocks and they can go race, right? Keep the cost of that down. But again, the where they messed up is, I think they should have maybe did a little bit, my opinion, they should have done a little bit more research on what the best shock was going to be for that. And instead they kind of worked out a deal with a, a certain shock manufacturer, I'm going to stay out of that conversation right now, but they worked out a deal with them and uh, they just said, well, here it is. This is the shock that you have to run. And, and uh, that, that's the whole conflict. So they're, 
the best part is they're trying to keep the cost down. The worst part is, is I think they're, they weren't maybe thinking far enough ahead and, and maybe not consulting with enough people on finding the right fit. Sure. Okay. I know you're probably not a rules guy, Bert, but do you have anything to add? No, no, I really don't have anything to add. That's a little bit beyond my, uh, my uh, expertise. Yeah, well, certainly, <laughs> certainly me too. But uh, well, I guess we'll see. We'll know in uh, what about ten days or so, uh, kind of what they come up with here, and and um, maybe we'll have to visit some people on uh, Twitter and see what they're saying, and we can, you know, we can circle back and and talk about this again on on a future episode, and you know, see which uh, which direction it, it went, and kind of whose feelings were hurt, and kind of how everyone feels about things. So. Um, so with that, I think, uh, you know, our time has expired. It's kind of like racing. There's, uh, we're on the last lap. So, um, you know, again, thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Bert. Uh, thank you, everyone, for joining us. Uh, you know, uh, catch us again on, on the next episode on the One to Go show. And we'll all be in touch then. Bye-bye.